Hello, and welcome to Magic is Real, or welcome back. I had COVID this entire month. I did not have a voice. So uh, thank you for your patience in waiting for the next episode, those of you who've been here before. And if you haven't been here before, then you didn't miss me. And thank you for being here for the first time. I'm Shannon. I'm your host. And today I have with me my friend, Jeremiah, who is a near-death slash out-of-body experiencer and a lovely human who has a lot of insights to share about what he's learned, what he continues to learn, and I'm excited to have him here. So, Jeremiah, thank you for joining me today. Uh, Shannon, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. We've been trying to get this connection going for a while now, and I'm just yes. so honored to be here. And I know divine timing has everything to do with it, and I'm just grateful to be here and excited to finally talk with you and, and share with you my experience and hear from you. So, me thank too. You my pleasure, and thank you. So, all right, we're going to talk about baby Jeremiah, anything you're willing to share. I'd love to know about your background, uh, specifically as it pertains to your spiritual journey. Sure. So my background, I grew up in Southern California um, to a mom and dad that loved me. I had uh, three siblings and I grew up as a, uh, a very loving, kind kid. I think like all of us do when we're first born, you know, we're children and we have that child's mentality of love and exploring and just, just entertaining ourselves with, with life itself. And I grew up in a tough neighborhood, and that neighborhood eventually led to violence against me. And I remember from the earliest of ages, I was assaulted and had my skateboard stolen. I had a Tony Hawk mini skateboard that my parents had given me for Christmas. And uh, the guy assaulted me and beat me up, and I had scars and bleeding and everything, and he took my skateboard. And I remember being in the office um, of the school, and thinking to myself, I guess I can't be who I was. Like, I can't be nice anymore to everybody. I have to protect myself somehow, you know? And so I, I went through life with that core belief from the purity of, of the child to saying, I have to protect myself now. And that became the first layer that I put that actually kept me from becoming all that I meant to become. And so my, my life just kind of had instances like that where violence came against me and I was angry and frustrated by it. And so my whole life was dictated around me protecting myself from the outside environment. And, uh, you know, it wasn't the right way to live, you know, I mean, doing that, you create a barrier from, from living life to its fullest. And that's exactly what happened to me. You know, I grew up in a, in a strongly believing Christian home. And so things in that home were, you know, you do it this way and this is the only way to do it. And, um, you know, for me, it was, it was beautiful, but there was also some issues with it from my own understanding. And so as I grew up, I had this, um, I wasn't being true to myself. You know, I was living a persona of somebody that needed to be strong, somebody that needed to be a manly man. You know, the outside environment says, be a man, you know, suck it up and deal with it and overcome the situations. And I'm like, well, I don't know how to do that, but I guess I'll just use anger and frustration and raising my voice to do that. And I mean, honestly, my energy had no clear, concise pattern to be expressed into the world. And that showed up in my relationships with my friends. It showed up in my relationships, um, you know, romantic relationships where I was always dependent upon their interpretation of my expression into the world to be validated by them in how they received me and how they talked to me. And so I was always, I guess you could say, at a, uh, at a loss. 
I was always looking to fill a void within myself that I hadn't filled myself and that other people were meant to do that for me. And when those relationships fizzled out, there was, there was an abandonment issue that was going on in my head. Like, why wasn't I enough? I was trying to be everything you wanted me to be. So why wasn't I enough? And maybe my understanding of everything was off. And so it went from relationship to relationship and experience to experience with that mentality, that mindset, never being the child that I was, loving life, looking at butterflies, loving music, you know, expressing love to everybody. Because you look at kids and that's what they do all the time. And so, you know, fast forward to about seven years ago. And um, I, I was just in a state of total confusion, depression, anxiety, because the accumulation of my life had just been based upon a foundation that wasn't true to myself. And because I built this house or castle that was my life on this foundation of untruths from that moment of childhood, my foundation was always rocky. You know, it was always rocky. And it caused me to to need to be married and want to be in relationships without validation and then ultimately turning to divorce because that was not the truth of my life. And so, you know, I, I was married three times, divorced three times, and the last time I was divorced, it just, it hit me like I failed. I am a complete and utter failure. I don't even know who I am, to be honest with you. I, I have no clue who I am because I had been lost underneath the layers like an onion of just somebody looking for a happy experience and looking for purity of life and not being able to find it because I was so distorted by my view, you know? And so this comes up to my, my near-death experience. You know, I had, I had tried to take my life numerous times. I felt a, an overwhelming burden of emotions throughout my whole life. My intuition was tied in so much to people, but I didn't know how to utilize it. I didn't know how to access that programming to really understand what was coming into my life. And so after my last divorce, I decided to try to take my life. It didn't work. I woke up the next day and thought, well, this is not the way I need to do this. And I need to go check myself into rehab and went to rehab for a week, you know, and then uh, a month later, I'm continuing the same pattern of not caring about life too much, not really, not knowing where my love came from, not loving myself enough to sustain my life and just living recklessly. You know, where I wasn't trying to actively kill myself, but I think subconsciously I was. And uh, I was out riding my motorcycle one day after drinking and was just driving recklessly and uh, trying to get that adrenaline, the dopamine release, you know, of life and uh, ended up crashing. And uh, when I crashed, I crashed doing about 65 trying to pull wheelies on the freeway with no helmet on. And, uh, you know, I, I remember the moment of, coming down off one of the wheelies and being unbalanced. And I remember kind of flying through the air and I remember hitting my head on the ground so hard that I told myself consciously that this is how I die. You know, and in a weird way, it was like, oh, now I know. You know, I've been wondering my whole life how this happens and I had numerous experiences before that was brought me close to death, never actually having an out-of-body experience. But I remember like being so happy and proud that I finally knew. And then immediately I'm like, well, wait a minute, why am I not hurting? <laughs> like, what's going on? Where, where am I actually? Like, what's going on? I'm in this blackness, I'm in this darkness, this void of nothingness as the awareness. I, I look down, I have no body and I'm not looking with my head or my eyes. I'm just like looking around. I don't know how I'm doing it. 
And I'm thinking to myself, this is really weird. I feel like I'm floating. I feel like I'm flying. I feel like I'm, I'm alive. But I know I'm not because my environment isn't, you know, conducive to that. And the moment that I, I realized that, um, the moment that light started coming into my perception. And I, I tell people it reminded me of like Star Wars or Star Trek. And I don't know if you guys have ever watched this, but like, you know, they, they go into hyperspace and all these stars are coming at them, you know, and it's just, it's really a cool experience. But they were coming at me from the sides and from as far as I could perceive all the way in, and they formed a tunnel, excuse me. And in this tunnel, um, these little specks of light had, they were, they were just different colors, like colors I've never experienced before, never seen before. And each, each speck, I call them, I call them pixels because they remind me of the pixels on like a TV or your computer screen. When you look up really close, it's like one little pixel of color, but the collection of them creates the wholeness, right? And so that's what they reminded me of. And I remember looking at these pictures or these uh, pixels and thinking, oh my gosh, this is the most beautiful colors I've ever seen. And not only did I see them, but I felt them. Each color carried an emotional weight to it that I could actually experience. Again, I don't know how, because I didn't have a body, but I, I felt the colors. I felt the colors like just do something to me and stir within me. And I was just going through the tunnel, just looking at these beautiful colors. And I just want like got into a trance almost, you know, like when you're a kid and you're you catch yourself just staring off into the distance and just kind of blocking everything else out. And you're not really looking at everything, but you're seeing everything. And you just go into this weird trance. And that's what's happened with one of the colors. And I felt myself being drawn into the color, drawn into the emotion of that color. And I was like, whoa, this is kind of weird. You know, like, I don't know, where does this go? I don't know where this goes. And I wasn't sure about it all. And I was a little apprehensive about it. And I looked at another color and the same thing started happening. I thought, you know what, I don't have anything to lose at this point, I don't think. So why don't I just engage in looking at this color and seeing what the emotions do to me or the feeling of it does. And so as I did that, I was looking at a color and all of a sudden it drew me into the color. It like took me and pulled me into the color. And in that color was an experience of my life. It was a small fragment of time. And it's my understanding that that color represented the emotional mindset behind my interpretation of that experience, you know? And so I would be drawn into just weird random, random uh, experiences. You know, one of them was uh, me saying hello to somebody in the store, you know? And I thought, well, this is weird. Why am I remembering this? You know, I hadn't thought about this experience until it actually happened. And in that experience, I'd ran into somebody in the store, nobody I knew, just an older lady. And I remember just saying hello to her, just a simple hello to her. And when I'm watching this from the outside, granted, you know, I'm seeing myself, but I'm also myself, but I'm also feeling the emotion of her experience as well. It wasn't just my experience, it was her experience too. And it was like I could feel the connection of both energies in that moment. And that to me is what created the color of that pixel. And I would go through these different experiences and I'd see both perspectives of it. And my perspective like changed, like even after the event happened, 
I'm seeing, okay, so I said hello to her. I know my intentions behind that, but I didn't know how that made her feel. I didn't, you know, maybe she had a bad day, maybe whatever it was, but I felt the love that she received from my actions and my intentions behind my words towards her. And there was another instance where somebody had tried to steal milk from me and my brother as we walked to 7-Eleven, which, my, you know, we did normally because we were about, you know, half a mile away. So my mom would send us for little, you know, retreats and we'd go down there and get groceries or whatever it was, you know. And this one time, this, this young kid, you know, I was probably 15, 16 at the time, um, told me that he wanted to take the milk that I just bought from, uh, you know, 7-Eleven. And if anybody knows me, like, I really love milk, like that Novelteen, you know, so you're not getting my milk. I don't care what you say. And uh, we ended up getting into a tussle about it. And uh, I walked away with my milk with my brother and went back home and never thought about it again. But in this experience, I, I saw his life. I saw what he was going through. I saw the intentions behind him wanting the milk, not how he expressed it but the truest intentions of his actions deep down inside, the purity of his intentions. And I saw that maybe his family had been lacking. Maybe his mom couldn't provide groceries for them. And like, how does that change one's perspective when you see somebody else's perspective, you know, and you combine that together. And so in that moment, I, I thought, wow, like what a powerful thing to witness and see like, it wasn't a negative experience. I took it as a negative experience, but because I was so strong or tried to be somebody I wasn't, I didn't listen to the intention behind the words. And for me, it changed me. It, it dramatically changed me. And all of these experiences, and I probably went through, you know, I don't even remember, probably nine or 10 of them. And, um, but it showed me something very, very powerful. Not only did it show me the wholeness of an experience, combined not just from my perception, but the universe's perception. It showed me the connection between everything, whether they're large or small, you know, it's, it's not, you know, everything is intricately connected and the finality of it is where we are now, you know, and so many times I had lived in the past with regret and stuff. And I tried to think, well, I could have changed it this way, or I could have been different this way. And the truth of it is that no, you couldn't have, because had you changed that, I, I wouldn't even be here today. You know, I wouldn't be in front of you talking. If I had made a left instead of a right, everything would have pivoted from that moment and things would have been completely different in my life. And so it really established an understanding that everything happens as it is meant to happen. And there is no other way to think about it. The moment that we live in the emotional past is the moment that we live imprisoned by our emotional understanding of experiences. And that to me was like, whoa, okay. So if I want to live in the fullness of who I am, I can't live in the past. I can only take the information from the past because that's what this life does, right? We, we call it experiences and experience create emotions and whatnot. And a lot of the times we let our emotions become our truth and not our truth become our emotions. And the truth is the information, right? So our emotions tend to muddy the waters of information by our perception. And perception can happen in a multitude of ways, you know, but when we let our truth become our emotions, there is no other way to define it but by the truth. And that truth becomes a powerful experience of learning and expression into the next moment, right? So I, I see all this in there and I'm realizing all this in there, but I know that there's more to go. And so I'm going down this tunnel and 
looking at these colors and I get to near the end of the tunnel after I'd gone through some of these experiences and I realize that there are blank spaces where color should be, that there are pixels that are, have been uncolored. And I think, well, I don't know what that means. Is that, what does that mean? You know? And, and I had this understanding, I'm asking myself questions and immediately I'm getting these answers. And I, I realized that, okay, these are places that I'm going to color later. These are, these are canvases that I get to paint, right? And so, sorry, I get emotional with this, you know. And so, it's beautiful. Yeah, realizing that I had more, more art to create for my life, um, I felt peace. Like, okay, this is not the end. I have, I have a way to take this understanding that I've been given, and use it and understand it, you know. And the moment that I had that uh, that knowing, I realized there was a being behind me this whole time, that had been. I don't know if you could say pushing me down through the tunnel, encouraging me in some, some unknowing way, but I believe that was the propulsion for me to go. Otherwise, I would have just stayed in one experience and just kind of lived through it and experienced the, the greatness of it. You know, why would you move to something else when this is so beautiful? You know what I mean? And so it's almost like the being was saying, hey, let's keep going. Let's keep checking things out. Let's keep putting this, this collection together and see what you think. And I got to the end and I see the blank spaces realizing that more to paint, more to create, more to live. And then there he is, or there it is behind me. And the moment I realized it, I didn't want to look back almost for fear of the power that was behind me. It, it's hard to explain, but I didn't want to see it. I wanted to just feel it. And when I noticed it, it, it said something to me. <laughs> it said, become the purpose. And to me, I was like, become the purpose. Like, I don't know what that means. I haven't known what the purpose of my life was. Like, how am I supposed to become if I don't know? You know, and when I thought that, I was hit with a beam of light, the most bright light that I've ever witnessed, perceived, because you don't see white like this. You don't see light like this. You just perceive it. And I perceived it. And what I perceived from that was that that light was information, that that light was giving me all of the information that I needed to access, you know, and it blew me away. And as soon as it filled me up, it filled my essence. It like, it didn't even just surround me or like land on me. It like permeated the essence of who I was in that spiritual realm, in that energetic body. It, it, it became part of me, almost like it imprinted itself on me like a stamp. And uh, so I went from this great, beautiful experience to seeing this beautiful light, feeling the love of the universe within this light, feeling the happiness and joy, the lightheartedness of existence itself, to immediately being back in my body on the side of the freeway with eight broken ribs and three broken places, broken wrists, head contusions all over, road rash everywhere. But I'm sitting there thinking, what just happened to me? I'd never experienced drugs before in my life. I didn't know what this was. This was a brand new experience for me. And it was the most powerful and real experience that I've ever had, even within my physical body. And I didn't know what that meant. I, I didn't know if I initially hit my head and I went into this weird place or what. I didn't know what it meant. But I did know, I woke up with two understandings. I had been on pain medication for about 10 years from a uh, accident within the military. I had seven spine surgeries and the pain medication had become a way of living for me. 
everything re revolved around making sure I had my pain medication, making sure I was feeling okay. And the two things I realized is that I had to do, I had to stop taking pain medication at all costs. There was no thinking about it. There was no, this is what I hope to do one day. This is like, this is it. This is all I have. I have to stop. That's it. No more. And two was I had to meditate, which was really odd for me because I never had anybody meditate with me, tell me about meditation, didn't understand meditation. It was the furthest thing from my mind being in a body that was broken because for me to sit still with the ravages of pain going through my body was unbelievable. It was unknowable. Like there's no way I could do it. I couldn't sit there and sit in any kind of pose for a long period of time and meditate that my body is hurting so bad I'd be distracted. But I knew I had to do it. And so, so over the next three months, I had, um, I had to heal up. I had broken ribs. I couldn't breathe. I had to have two chest tubes put in me. I had internal bleeding from uh, my lungs and a punctured lung. And, and so I spent about... I want to say almost a month in the hospital and I spent about four to five months actually recovering in bed. And this whole time I can't move. I'm just laying down. And all I can think about is this experience. All I can think about is what I went through and what I'm going to do about it. You know, cause I knew I had to do something about it. I just didn't know what to do. And so I decided that if I want to understand, maybe that's what that desire to meditate was to calm my mind and to really control the information that I believed was inside of me. That was the only way that I believed and understood to access it. It was like it was imprinted within the information, right? You have to meditate. You have to do this in order to unlock it. In order to find that key, you have to calm your spirit and your mind and access the true nature of who I was. And who I was was a man without love. I was a man without love. So the first thing that I had to do was find what love was. <laughs> Like to define love, to give me a reason to continue living because my reasonings for living were not enough. They weren't substantiated enough. And so I went on this uh, internal quest to uh, define love, to define what love was. And so during my meditations, after I healed up, I started meditating. And I don't do anything like, I, don't, I go all, all in 100% of the time, you know. So my meditations probably don't look like anybody's and I don't pretend to know anything or everything about meditation. I only know what I believe to be worthwhile for me. And so my understanding of meditation was that you control your body's energy to utilize it for your conscious awareness or your thought patterns. Okay. So I thought, well, what's the best way to conserve energy and utilize it for its highest value. And for me, it was laying down outside. I would lay down outside and I would lay in the grass and I would look up at the stars. I'd look up at one particular star, actually. Through this whole experience, it was always one star, which I still don't know what star it was to this day. I can go out there and see it, but I don't know what it is. I'll have to look one day. And so I would, <clears throat> I would look at the star and I would keep my eyes open because I realized that our eyes have 100 million light receptors and we're only using 1 million of them to see. And to me, nature doesn't create anything that is not meant for a purpose. So I thought, well, just like my brain's not at full capacity, maybe my eyes aren't at full capacity. So I'm going to try to keep my eyes open too. And that became the hardest thing for me to do is how do you keep your eyes open, right? Because that's the hardest reaction to stop from doing. And if you just try to do it, like keep your eyes open for a minute, it seems impossible. But what I realized is that when I laid on the ground, my eyes would tear up. 
And when they teared up, they created a, a barrier of moisture within my eyes. And the whole point of blinking is to re-moisturize your eyes so they don't dry out. So I realized that I could keep my eyes open for a long extended period of time. And when I did that, um, things started changing. You know, things started changing in a dramatic way. Not only was my body laying down flat, I controlled all my reflexes and muscles. They were no longer trying to maintain some posture or keep me elevated or balanced or anything. They were just completely flat. You know, so I didn't have to consume energy for that. And I can use all that energy for my mind. And so keeping my eyes open and overcoming that last obstacle in my body was able, gave me the opportunity to really focus on my meditation and where I wanted to go. And, uh, you know, and I started, I started to see different things. I started to have different understandings as I'm meditating. I, I would see, I would see energy patterns. I would see the heat radiating off my body, like a thermal heat signature. I would see um, in my perception, I'd see the houses around me and the roof lines. I'd see the heat start to come up off the roof line. And this is at night. You know, how do you see the thermal images at night? You know, unless your irises are open and you're intaking as much light as possible and it's flowing through those, those cur curvatures of the patterns of the heat. You know, so I started to think, whoa, this is crazy, you know. And, you know, eventually it led up to me losing my vision, like, it would black itself out and then reopen itself. My perception, even though my eyes were open, it would go black. Like when you get into an accident or something, you don't see what's going on, even though your eyes are open. You know, in trauma situations, we tend to black out what our, what our vision holds. And so I would start to see wave patterns. I would start to see energy patterns, almost like a wave in, in the sky or in the air around me. And I, I tell people I could see through my perception, what is between light and my perception. So what is between light and my perception is the energy that is between it. You know, the, the light being a higher energy source, right? Or a lower energy source, depending on how you look at it, you know? And so I would start to see different wavelength patterns and it would, it started out at orange and moved its way up to green and blue. And it's just weird to the end of it to where I started to see a purple box. I know it sounds weird, but it's a purple flaming box just in my perception. So now whenever I meditate, there is a deep, deep purple, um, almost pearlesque type color in there. It's, it's, it's weird. It's super weird, man. And yeah, I just um, want to interject because yeah, that's been happening to me. And I just asked a medium friend, I'm like, can you talk about this purple light? Because yeah. now I'm seeing it a lot yeah. everywhere. So right. I'm glad that you said that it was validating. I saw it right. in the dark mm -hmm. at night as I was falling asleep, yeah. but my eyes were open and I started to see these like purple blobs. But now I find that when I meditate, it's, I see it. And I was like, is there a scientific explanation or am I actually seeing something spiritual? I, I have a theory about that. I have please, a, I have a, please share. I have a theory. My theory is this, is the colors that I saw were actually the colors of frequencies in my body, the frequency that I'm emulating from my mindset. And the higher that I raise my vibrational frequency, the more my internal perception becomes validated by that frequency. And so when I first started meditating, it was the oranges, you know? Mm -hmm. As I progressed, it was the greens and then the blues. And then ultimately when I started having more and more understandings, it became purple. And not just purple, but a purple box with flames coming out of it. Like, I, I've never heard anybody talk about this. I'm like, what is, I, I couldn't even research it. I didn't know what it was. You know, it's really yeah. weird. And then after the purple box appeared, 
And then I started going into tunnels. I started meditating and the purple box would be there. But the longer that I stayed in these meditations, um, weirder things started happening. I started telling my friends about the experiences I'm having, the light and the energy, and then going into these tunnels again. But it wasn't like the near-death experience tunnels. These were like um, curved wormholes. Almost mm-hmm. you could, right? I get those when I meditate too. Yeah, I feel myself like, going down and it's, it is a wormhole. That's exactly yeah, what it is. It's so weird, you know, and, and then it, it culminated into me being in this, uh, <laughs> the craziest experience I had with meditating was astral projecting into this uh, room. It was, a, it was a stone room. And again, I come from a Christian background, and this is not something that we talk about at church, right? This is not something that the ministers up there, I'm talking about wormholes and going down meditation, <laughs> astral projecting. This is how, yeah. you, you know, it's like, what? And so I'm, I'm going through this wormhole, end up in this, this uh, I don't know, it's probably 12 by 12 room, stone sides, dirt floors. There's a stone table, right? Stone square cube table. And on top of that, there's two stone tablets. And on top of the two stone tablets is hieroglyphs. And I don't know how to read hieroglyphs, so I have no idea what they said. But I remember being in there, and the the experience of it was like the room was dark. It was sealed up. Nobody had been in there for however long a time. I don't don't know where it was. I don't know what it is. But nobody had been in there. That was my understanding of it. It It was completely sealed off. And the only light that was in there was my essence. It was the light of who I was in that, in that place, you know? And so <clears throat> this whole time, I'm just like, these are all new experiences for me, you know? And, and on top of that, I start having these understandings through my meditations. And not only would I be astral projecting or astral receiving information, like it was very, very validating information that I had issues with. So going back to finding the love of who I was, I realized that people had failed me from the love during these meditations and that it was because their, their definition of love, emotional love comes from their experience. And so because their defining experience of love differed from my defining experience of love, we could never communicate on the truest, highest foundations of what love was. And I realized that that the only person that really knows how to love me is me. And because I was at such a deficit for that, it wasn't there. So I thought, well, how do I restore my love? How do I get my love back? Where do I find love in my life other than people? Because my version is that people had failed me, which really was me failing myself. But like, where do I get love? And then I realized like your background there, I would go into nature. I remember going camping and I remember feeling alive. Like I would literally use the word alive. You know, I feel alive in nature. I go to the ocean and I'd stand on the edge of of chaos and freedom, right? And I'd stand there on the shoreline thinking, oh my gosh, I feel alive. I feel the life of the energy coming off the ocean. And that really got me started thinking about what is love and why do I feel alive when I am in love? And when we are in love, even with people, there is a life force that gets instilled or imprinted upon us from that experience. And then I thought, well, why do we represent love with a heart? Like, this is something I never really thought about either. Like, a heart, I mean, that's weird. It's a, it's a physical organ, right? It could be any organ, but why the organ of the heart? And then I realized what the heart does. And it's the largest provider of electromagnetic energy, which is precisely the thing that leaves our body when we die. And so if that's the truth, 
energy is love then what am i like who am i what am i and that got me thinking about well the entirety of my life becomes who i am that's the essence and the presence of who i am and so how does that become how does that created through thoughts right and synapses and neural pathways neurons and synapses is what it's energy it's energy and information being combined with the intention of my perception that creates the thoughts of who I am, right? So then I was like, oh, crap, okay. So energy is love because without love, we have a loss of energy. You think about the connections we have with people. When we lose a loved one, what does it feel like? A complete disconnect, right? A disconnect of a circuit, of a cycle of energy exchange. Right. And so depression happens and we have no energy, right? Because we're drawing energy from other experiences. Right. So if that's true, then I don't have to look for love. I actually have to just become who I am because that means that I am the physical manifestation of love. And if I am the physical manifestation of love, in order for me to love other people to the fullness that they deserve to be loved to, I must love myself to the fullness, which means I don't just love myself. Love, you see, is the, the emotional expression of life. It's emotionally what we do. It's what the body does. It takes in emotions. It processes the energy and creates emotions out of it. And so the expression of love is it's just one small dynamic of what love really is, because love is the creation force within existence. And so because I am living and because I am creating, I am love, right? I am life. So I don't love people anymore. I life them. I give them life. And that's really what love is, is giving life to people, giving space so they can grow, having patience with them, giving them encouragement to become better, giving them help when they're hurting or they're falling down. We pick them up. That's what love is. And that ultimately is giving them life, you know? And so as I'm realizing this, I'm, I'm doing research and, and looking into other things. And I started thinking about the processes of, of the body and like what I am. So if I'm love, like what is my purpose then? Like what is the purpose of love? What is the purpose of my life, right? And that goes back to the big question for me. And so I come from a construction background. And you can't use a tool to its highest availability in the wrong setting, right? You can't take a sledgehammer and decide, I'm gonna go dig a hole for a tree, right? You, I mean, you could definitely dig a small hole and it'd take you a long, long time, but the efficiency of the energy is not being utilized properly, right? And so you have to look at a tool, what it's best used for, what its purpose is, is what it what's it, its function is, right? What it's doing, what it's doing. So I started thinking about me as a body, like what is my body really doing? Right? What is creating this environment, this experience? And I started thinking about my senses, right? Because the senses are essentially the information of what we are meant to be doing. And so if you think about the eyes, right? It's intaking light energy, visible energy. Um, our ears are taking in audible energy. Our noses and our mouth are taking in chemical energy. Our skin is taking in kinetic energy by pressure and thermal energy as well. Right. So everything is energy. And here we go back into the body's functioning now. Now it's intaking energy. So we all know that we are not the bodies. We are the energy that is within the bodies because 
there cannot be life after death from my own experience, my own personal understanding without the energy and everything is energy in the universe. This is what science is talking about, right? So what is the function of this energy intake? What are we doing, right? And so our perception is intaking this energy. This is so interesting to me. We're intaking the information, the information being matter, right? Matter is essentially frozen energy. This is what, you know, science is talking about right now. Matter is frozen energy in a sense. We're intaking the visualization, the feeling of the energy, and we're destructing it and restructing it back through the filters of our perception. And in doing so, we are then creating a chemical response, which we call emotions, which is energy in motion, right? So we are filtering the energy that we're taking in, and then that is therefore creating energy patterns within the chemical body, biologically, and those chemical reactions are releasing proteins, right? And those proteins are affecting our gene expression within our DNA, right? And then our DNA is basically like a, um, I think of it like a, uh, a breaker box in your house. You have all these wires going to it, which would be your central nervous system. And like the breakers themselves are your, your expressions, right? Your, 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 your DNA expressions, right? And so the proteins are turning on or turning off the breakers of your expressions, right? It's like turning on the light and turning it off again. And so as we're going down, the more we are understanding what an experience is, the more that that switch is gonna be turned on. Now it can be changed, we can change our DNA. We can change, or change the expression of our DNA, you know? So, and then we're, we're passing that on to the next generation. Right? So my DNA and my child's mom's DNA is going to combine to create a, hopefully a better version of the DNA, right? That's what we're all hoping for. That's what we believe is happening. And so our DNA is extremely important. When you understand what cymatics is and you understand how words and intentions start to create patterns within matter, you can see how powerful we become and how that also is affecting the DNA patterns. And so I'm, I'm, I'm putting all this stuff together. I'm just like, oh my gosh. Like, is it really that simple? Is it really that simple? And I had thought about life and like, if it's that simple, why has life been so hard? You know, and really the truth of it is that it's because it's everything that's outside of us that is affecting us. It's not what is inside of us that is affecting matter. It's outside matter affecting us. And because of that, we live within the past of our memories, right? And we're not supposed to have memories of experiences. We're meant to have memories for the consumption of information. You see, three things need to happen for creation. Energy, information, and intention. Without those three things, you will never provide creation. And without the proper valuation on those three things, you'll never create the highest value of whatever you're creating. So, for instance, you can have the energy to do something, but not have the information of how to do it, but have the intention of good behind it. Now, you can try to create something, but it's not going to be what you believe it to be or what you want it to be. Uh, on the other aspect, you can have the information, you can have the desire, but if you have no energy to do it, you're never going to create, right? And so we look into nature and we see this concept playing out with in front of us. You think about trees, for instance, and the fruit, right? Like 
plants or trees are growing, right? So it's energy coming from the earth, the information coming from the atmosphere and the intention coming into the creation of seeds, right? And so that's also, when you look at the seeds, the seeds are the information dropping down into the earth, which is the energy with the intention of creation happening. And you can even see it within the, the conception. You see that the sperm is the one that swims around and moves. The egg is the information. So the sperm is the energy. The egg is the information. The intention is the gene expression within those two together. So the expression of love together will create the highest vibrational frequency. And now they're finding out that actually the egg is the one responsible for choosing the sperm. And my thought is this, I wonder, I wonder if it's the vibrational frequency that's associated with the creation of the egg that is in vibrational frequency to the sperm that's closest matching to that, that allows it to unlock the door of creation within it. Just a concept to think about and ponder in our heads. You know, and so energy, information, creation. And I'm going through this stuff and I'm, I'm really getting into meditation a lot and I start looking at different things like chakras and stuff. And, you know, I, I don't really fully understand it, but I see they got some really cool colors and there's different parts of the body that it explains. And then it hit me one day, like something very powerful. The sacral chakra is red, okay? We're, we're, I'm going to take the chakras and I'm going to apply it to our bodies and I'm going to apply it to earth and see where they coincide. Okay, so the sacral chakra is red, okay? It's the energy, right, of, of, of the body, right? And we're only gonna stick and work within the body of the chakras. Okay, where does the earth have its energy and what color is that? And if you think about the core of the earth, the core of the earth is magma, it's red, it's fire, it's energy, it's what the energy of the earth is, right? And I thought, well, what's the energy within us but the blood, what color is the blood? red, right? So let's move up to the next chakra that's important in the middle. What's the middle chakra? The heart chakra. What color is the heart chakra? Right? Green. Green. Okay. So if we move from the core of the earth up to the surface of the earth, where do we come to? Life, right? Green. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's what plants are. That's what trees are. Trees are green. What are they doing? They're growing. They come from the baseline, the, the dense earth come up into this plane, right? And then sprout up to the heavens or sprout up to the sky, right? And so green is information and life. But if it's coincided with the heart, that is also what is the, the life within us. It's the intention, I guess you could say, right? And then it reaches up to the sky and the sky is blue. It's blue, right? like the throat chakra. chakra. What else does the sky have that we have in our throat? Sound, lightning. We have air that comes out that uses vibrational force, right? And that, that throat chakra is actually one of the creating forces of our bodies. Because when we speak, going back to cymatics, sound energy creates patterns. Patterns stacked upon, among themselves, on top of themselves, and all around themselves, allows matter to form and creation to form, right? So let's think about this now. So you got the sacral, you got the red, you got the energy. Then you've got the heart and the throat, the expression of that energy, right? So we can take and live from our bodies, okay? Just the sacral being the body. Then we can use our voice to project whatever our body wants, 
right? And that gives us dominion over our, our relative area of living and our experience. And so what happens when you combine red with blue? Combine with the you body, purple. you get purple, which is also the color of royalty, right? Dominion, ruler over that place, right? But see, we're the light of the world. We're not meant to be in that color purple. The truth of it is that we are light. We emit light photons. This is exactly what science is saying, is that we're bringing in light. We're changing it informationally. We're letting the emotions create patterns within our DNA and proteins release and expressions being released. And then the body is vibrating at a higher frequency, then thus emitting more light, not only emitting light from our, our energy from our mouth, but also from our bodies. It's those, that's what auras are. Auras are energy being released from the body, light photons. Oh, I've been yeah. seeing your aura the entire time. So it's interesting <laughs> you said that. It looks mint green to me. I love that. I love that. It's, it's not, it's like, it's light blue, but it's kind of a light green too, at least right now. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, it's, that. I've been, it's been distracting me the whole time where, not, where I'm just seeing yeah. the mint, this beautiful mint green color all around you in a halo. That's good, because I'm speaking from my heart chakra right now. That's so right. That would make sense. Yes. So now, if we take, you go from physical to expression of physical through the throat, right? You get purple, dominion, control, power to create. But if you change one factor, if you take the power of the body, filter it through the heart, and then express the desires of the heart, you have creation in alignment with creation, right? Because the heart has a brain. The heart is a brain, just as much as the brain is a brain. They, they, they have neural pathways, they, but they only know, it only knows one thing. The heart only knows life and death. That's the only thing it knows. Very simple. A kindergarten can figure that out, right? Like, I know what to do if I only have two choices. I'm going to do the right thing, right? And that's what the heart is, basically. It's like the kindergarten. It's the purity of life. It's the purity of creation right there. And so the heart knows two things. And science has proved this through experiments where they hooked up people to an EKG and an EEG. EEG, you know, checking the brain wave functions, the EKG, watching the heart. And what they did was they, they showed these participants pictures and these pictures were meant to elicit a, or a response, an emotional response. And what they found out in this, which was fascinating to me, was that the heart always responded first, always. And then the brain would, would come online and say, oh, this is what the experience was, right? And I was thinking about this. I was like, that's interesting. So we, don't, we shouldn't be thinking with our brain. We should be thinking from our heart. And then you hear people say that, live from your heart, you know? you know, experience the heart and let the brain just go, you know, and that's, it's true. Because if we take the information in from the heart and the heart knows two things, life and death, right? Then we can understand what it is. But then it sends a signal to the brain, which the brain is a, a, a memory bank of everything that has happened to us. And if we're not taking the memories of just the information, but we're connecting emotional attachments to that information, now we're emotionally responding to the information that is coming in, okay? So the emotional response is a perception-based response. It's not a truthful response. A truthful response is the energy of an experience. For instance, um, having an accident, right? You can think of the emotional trauma that comes with an accident. It's very real, right? But the truth of the accident, if you're able to tell people about it, you're alive, right? And so there is only life and death in this experience. And so the truth of the experience is that 
it was a good experience because now it taught me to drive slower. Now it taught me to watch my peripheral vision. Now it taught me to be careful more. It doesn't mean we have to live in that emotional state of being because the emotional action or the emotional environment that that happened, is, happened in is in the past. The past isn't real as long as we're in this moment here. The only thing that is real is the information. So to live in the past is to live in the emotions. So anyway, going back to the chakras, if you take the body, take the, the, the sacral chakra, the red, and you combine it with the intentions of the heart, which is, again, life and death, right? So only life because outside of life is death and death, there's nothing. So we can say that really the heart only knows one thing, life, okay? Which is also coincidentally what love should reflect as well, right? Is life. And so if you take the, the, the sacral, mix it with the purity of life itself in the heart and express that through the voice to create more life in, in people, Right? Those three colors combine to make white, which is the purity. And what else is white in, in our experience of Earth but the clouds? Right? And the clouds release something. They can either create tension or they can create rain because that's what it is. It's, it's moisture. It's water. And what is water to us but life itself? Life. Right? Mm -hmm. And so everything that lives must have water. Right? And what's interesting, if you think about those different states of water, you have frozen, you have liquid, and you have gas. Right? How do you get those three? Well, you freeze it by squeezing the molecules together really tight. Right? And so when you freeze it, it freezes, like literally, like emotionally. Like when you think about depression, that's what it's doing. You're freezing your, your water. You're freezing your body through stress and anxiety. You know, our blood vessels get closed up, and there's like high, hypertension and you know, high blood pressure. So we're squeezing, we're becoming frozen, we're becoming matter when we think about the negativities of life because this is the chemical response within our bodies, right? We feel that tension and stress. And then water is what we are now. Water is like our blood. It's flowing. It's able to flow, ebb and flow. It's able to find the right balance in this physical form as long as we have the right understanding, right? But if we take that and utilize it to the highest value, like vapor, what happens? How do you create like steam? You have to heat it up. You have to pure. It almost purifies the water in, in essence, right? And so when we purify our thoughts to have them reflect closely to the experience of life and the truth of life, our vibration raises just as the clouds raise, just as we're freer than we are than the water that is in the ocean, or freer than the density of the icebergs that are in, in Antarctica, you know, and so. Life is literally representing everything that is going on within us. And if you realize that we are intaking information, processing it, letting it go out of us, we are like, um, we're like a, a child in the womb, right? Because the child in the womb is growing. It's taking the nutrients of the mother and the outside experiences and creating the life within. It's the same thing with us. What we're doing is we're doing that, though, for our spirit. Our spirit is the energy that is within us, the essence of who we are. And inside of us, we are cultivating the energy body, the spiritual body of who we are. I have this, uh, I have this belief that we are three in one, okay? We are the soul, we are the spirit, and we are the body. The soul being the DNA of the energy that is the spirit, right? Just as the body has the DNA to create the energy patterns and movements of the energy of the spirit, right? And so... What's going on is that we are meant to remember the soul's purpose or truth, right? Then utilize the spiritual energy to manifest movement through the body 
to put us in places of alignment with the soul. Far too often what is happening is that the body's emotional state of, of knowing and being is directing the spiritual energy and putting the spiritual energy in places that the soul doesn't need it to be or want it to be. And there's a disconnect, you know? I always believed that all this stuff was bad and happening to me, you know, and I wasn't acting right, but it was my, it was my body's desire for emotional responses. I mean, because we're chemical, biological drug addicts. We're putting ourselves in situations that are eliciting that drug response within our body. And the moment we can break that addiction cycle and go towards the truth of life itself and realize that because you are alive, you are love. And because you are love, you are doing exactly what you need to do. All you have to do is continue to express that love. That is the truth of creation. That has become my purpose. And that is what everybody's purpose is. Because we are life. We cannot have death within us. That is an outside force, right? Logically. So if you are life, you cannot have death within you, right? And so... That means that we don't have to become anything. We simply have to shed what we are not. And once we shed who we are not, we have become life itself. And in doing that, we have the patterns and the understanding how to bring life to everybody else through our words, through our actions, through the manifestations of the heart, knowing two things, utilizing the, 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 the lower chakras to vocalize and mobilize the body to create a manifestation of love. You see, love is, an only, is only one dimension of the truth of love. These, these frequencies that are intaking us through our senses, are, those are dimensions. Those are very real dimensions. We are a multidimensional being thinking we live in a one-dimensional world. Like this is all there is, you know, or a three-dimensional world, whatever you want to call it. But we're, we're multiple dimensions. And so we're taking in multiple energies, you know. So if we could figure out a way to tap into the multidimension of it, and realize that our intuition is beyond senses, right? That is the quantum world. When you are listening to your intuition, you are listening to the quantum truth of information, right? And so because our, our senses are so real physically, we tend to turn that off, you know, and we don't need to do that. We really need to turn our senses, or our senses off and start listening mm -hmm. to our intuition more, you know, because senses only serve the physical nature of this reality, but our intuition serves a higher dimensional truth of what is real and what life is, you know? So, you know, life after death is real because of law of conservation. And because the law of conservation says that energy can never be diminished or destroyed, it can only be transferred. And that's exactly what is going on. We are transferring energy from the outside into the inside and then from the inside back to the outside again. It's a cycle, it's a pattern, it's a birth, it's a rebirth. You know, it's a continued creation process. And the moment that we take the patterns and expressions of emotions from the past and tell us that that's not a truth. What's true is today. And if today is only the truth, then every day we die. Every moment we die. Every day becomes its own death and every morning becomes its own life. So therefore the baggage of our past regrets and our past negative emotions is no longer valid. Just take the information because the information lasts for as long as we continue carrying breath. And if that's true, that becomes a positive thing because the negative experience happened in one moment and the positive experience of that negative, perceived negative experience carries on forever. But not only that, but then we can express that to other people. And then exponentially becomes even more powerful. So what is truly negative in our life other than our perception, right? Mm -hmm. Experiences aren't really negative because they change the way we live. And that changes future patterns. And that future pattern changes different emotions. And those different emotions create different gene expressions. And different gene expressions create new DNA. And new DNA creates new life. 
And so when we talk to people, we're not talking to just that one person. We're talking to everyone after them in their lineage, right? You're not changing just that one person's life. You're changing lineage. You're changing generations. You're healing generational trauma that they have carried up into this point, and you have the opportunity to change that from that point for all of eternity. Like, that's a truth. That's an absolute truth and scientifically proven. So we don't go out and just talk to one person. We talk to everybody. And that's how we're changing the world. Literally, we're changing the consciousness. We're raising the vibrational frequency of what is. So the butterfly that was a lot. Effect. That was a lot, I know. Huh? No, but it's a lot of great stuff, Jeremiah. I usually ask a bunch of questions, but I feel like that was like the world's best TED Talk ever. <laughs> um, like, I feel like you've kind of got it all figured out. Um, but it resonates is, is yeah. really what I have to say about it is um, obviously you could dig into any one of those concepts and be like, but what about this or what about this? But I, I love think, it, yeah. I know. I just got chills, though, because I feel like you encapsulated everything sort of very well. That's what we're doing here. Love. That's and it. why love. do we not remember who we are? We, why are we sent here with free will? Well, if we weren't sent here, and I want to ask you that too, but why do we have free will? Um, my my understanding is because if we didn't, why would we be here? What would we be learning? Um, because there's so many people right now and always that are making horrible decisions that are the antithesis of love. And why do you think, I just, I think generally anything you want to say about that, what, why, why are there so many people that have forgotten who they are? What are they here? To, are they here to show us something? Is it, it, it? Yes. What? What's What's going on with people that um, don't that don't so, understand their true nature? Again, if you go back to generational trauma, you go back to the DNA formulation, how we got into this point, right? Evolutional process of that. There's been trauma that's been instilled within our DNA, and because no one's trying to understand how it got there in the first place and no one really knew because there was no science to like back it up or make any definitive understanding of it right and so we've gone through this evolutional cycle where it's just building upon the last level the last understanding right and so that is the the main function of free will is if you realize that you are life or you are energy right then you realize that the continuation of that energy is what is essential, not just for just my life, but for all of humanity or all of consciousness. And so free will becomes the valve of I'm going to turn on the energy or turn off the energy. Had, if we didn't have free will, we would be enslaved. That's all there is to it, mm -hmm. right? That, that would be actual enslavement. You have no free will. You are directed to do just that. So why not just be a rock? You yeah. know what I mean? And so the expression of, of love, love is a gift. Right? Love is a gift. It's a gift of my life, my energy. And so I have the option to give that gift out to people. And so free will dictates, do you want to be alive and do you want to bring life to people or do you want to bring death to people? You know, and it's important because not knowing the negative experiences in my life, I would have never known the positive. To, yeah. to, to understand hot, you have to understand cold. It's not just part of it. It's all of it. And the more that you understand from one wave to the other, the more you understand the wholeness of what is. And so we, we ask ourselves, well, why is there negativity in this place? Because it's not that that is love or life. It's that it's the absence of it. So it's negativity mm -hmm. is the absence of life itself. If love is life, right? The absence of love and life is death 
and negativity and depression and stuff. So we have free will to, number one, create a mindfulness understanding of what we are and what we desire, and then also utilize that free will to create gene expressions to continue on the cycle and patterns of life. You know, that's what I think about it. But, you know, this, there is a lot of negativity. And the more that we react to it from an emotional standpoint and not try to understand people's perspective, not understand where people are coming from, to react emotionally is to allow that cycle to continue of negativity, right? And so chaos can never breed organization. If you have a dirty room, your mind will never be precise, right? If you have a clean room, your mind is clear and, and, and free of clutter. It's the same thing within the energy world. Right? If your energy is, is, is a chaotic environment, right, your expression of that energy and your thoughts is going to be chaotic as well. And that doesn't breed good gene, DNA expression. Right, mm -hmm. That breeds a pattern that ultimately is a dead end, so life cannot continue. And the fact of energy is that energy is the ability to do something. Okay, You cannot do something when you're not doing anything. And so energy by its nature needs to keep doing something. Right. It needs to keep replicating itself or, or manipulating itself to continue doing in a different way. You know what I mean? So. We have negativity because we don't understand the true nature of who we are. We don't understand that we are solely life, the expression of life, the emotional love. You know, life itself, the expression of it is, is, is a sensory thing. And so that's what love is. But the truest form is an energy. It's an energy experience. It's an energy experience that continues and seeks to, to continue the pattern. You think about this in nature too. Energy takes the path of least resistance. Why? Why? Because coming up to more resistance means that you're, you're like taking the energy away almost, right? Like trying to climb over a wall. It's easier to go around the wall than it is to climb over the wall. It's energy conservation, right? Which is going on in the universe. And so we can take that and utilize energy in a negative pattern. This is something that we do already. It's like the emotional living. We allow the emotions to create our truths and not the truths to create the emotions, right? Not, not the facts. And so when we do that, the emotional response is a bunch of energy release, right? It's the fight or flight mentality and the, the body's chemical response is saying, hey, we got to get out of here. There's a bear chasing us. We got to run. And it's important to have that high dopamine release, that high energy release, right? But then it gets worn out because there's no longevity. There's no zero point energy in that process, right? The zero point energy comes on the path of least resistance. You think about lightning, like lightning takes the path of least resistance too. It goes into the ground, but that doesn't mean that it's the least amount of energy because the earth contains more energy than that one bolt of lightning, I guarantee you, right? But what happens is that the energy of earth is more organized. It creates a pattern that is less resistant you know what I mean? And so it wants to go into that. So ironically, the path of least resistance in the truest form needs to be the path of most power, which is what it really is in, in emotions too. The path of least resistance is something that gives us the biggest expression of something, right? So the path of least resistance is for me to initially just respond emotionally and not put any energy into understanding it. But that's not the truth. The truth is, if you get below the patterns and stuff and the past traumas and histories, you can see that the path of least resistance is truly understanding the information that is being presented to us, whether it's through vocalization or emotions or actions that that person's maybe not really mad at me, 
it's an expression of the turmoil that they're going on within. So really the path of least resistance is to follow through with understanding who they are, understanding the nature that creates them, that is them, you know? And in doing that, you're giving them space to grow and to express themselves authentically. Because the worst thing to do is to live a life with no authentic authenticity. Because at the end of that life, this is what I lived my whole life. This is what really messed with me is I was not living an authentic life to myself. And in doing that, I wasn't creating the proper patterns of energy movement in my bodies. And because of that, I needed more energy from the outside than what was already inside of me and what was already coming through me from the universe. And had I just found that path of least resistance, knowing that who I am is who I am and nobody can touch me, you may hurt my tool, you may hurt my emotions, but my emotions do not define me anymore because now I am the emotion. I am the emotion of life itself. And that emotion speaks to me and says, I can only be loved or I can provide love to you. I have this thought that our interpretation of love is kind of backwards where the feeling of love is somebody else giving life to us. You know, it's somebody else giving us that space of freedom and peace. So anyway, sorry, I took that up, took a long way. No, <laughs> it's not, do not apologize for that. That was fantastic and very relatable. Uh, and I really appreciate because I had the same trajectory um, being a sex and love addict. And that was all about not being able to find the love from here. Right. Even though my parents gave it to me, like... It was always me searching somewhere outside of myself right. for that love and shrinking myself for that love, degrading myself for that love. And it took many years of, of learning, of, of yeah. hurting, pain, learning, and then recovery to get to the place of understanding that we are love inherently. It's like you said, we're not adding love. We're just taking away anything that is a block to love. Absolutely. And um, doesn't mean that as humans, we don't still feel lonely or we don't still crave. Con we, we actually very much need you have to have connection. Yeah. And connection. You have to have connection. Exactly. You, look, look at nature like you, you can't have the continuation of a cycle without the dropping of the seeds. Okay. Yeah. And those seeds come from a correlation. Same with same with creation. Right. You can't create a life with only one person, right? Mm -hmm. You have to have the connection. And so because we are energy, we realize that subconsciously that that connection is the expression of life. Yeah. And so when you don't create connections, you are, you are creating a connection that is a dead end that ultimately leads to destruction, right? And so that's why connection is so important, but connections in a healthy way. Yeah. It, it's, realizing that we have the opportunity to move our bodies and create new connections, right? So if some connection is not bringing life to us, that's when you leave mm -hmm. or you help, you help them become, right? And so we look for the path of least resistance. We do it in our relationships. We do it with our careers. We do it with every part of our being. You know what I mean? We look for music that is less intrusive. We look for something that soothes us or makes us feel better or makes path nicer you know what i mean so it's something that is very real to us and that connection is the life force continuing down the cycle of creation it, it's instilled within the dna of the energy i guess you could say you know it is what the energy is the ability to do something and you can't make creation happen and the ability to do something without something else and that goes back to energy information along with intention Okay, it takes those three things. So if you have the energy and you have the intention, but you don't have the information on how to create a relationship, you're not going to create anything valuable, right? Yeah. And it's 
same process. So energy needs to be expressed and the highest level of expression needs to come from the intention. And the intention of life itself is the continuation of life itself. And so then intention becomes creating life. And we know that creating life is actually creating love. And so if you love somebody, you life somebody. When you love people, you're creating life within them. And then they can create life within other people and then the generations after that through the DNA expressions and stuff. So it's a continued cycle that is literally right in front of us, all around us within nature. But we've been so disillusioned by society and by what we think society needs. Like, I got to have a house because as things become more complex, nature always looks to seek the balance. And so for us, too much complexity says, hey, let's make things easier. Right. And so now we've gotten to the point where like, hey, it's complex. We have all this information. We need to exchange it. And so now let's have the Internet. Now let's have phones. Now let's have TVs. And so the complexity that we thought we were creating the balance within is actually creating more complexity. Now we're getting further away from the true nature of what we are and who we are. And that's why I think there's such a big spiritual awakening going on around the world right now is because nature is seeking to find that balance back to creation because we've gotten so far outside the parameters of existence itself that each experience that we're having ultimately leads to death currently, you know. And so anytime we live physically, we are ultimately only living for the body. And at the end of the day, the body will continue to die and end up being in the uh, in the ground you know and really we need to start living from the spirit of who we are you know sorry i've not had this happen since i got over covid yes it just hit me well, let me cough it out oh my gosh that really that really threw me through that, that was an experience <laughs> we'll cut to a short commercial break <laughs> yeah excuse the interruption i've had a post post covid coughing attack just as jeremiah was in the middle of a deep and profound revelation so i'm not going to cut that part out but just ignore what's happening here jeremiah please continue what i was saying is that you know we it really ultimately boils down to this what we're doing here is we're cultivating an understanding of the continuation process of life and what came to me in my near-death experience was become the purpose and ultimately that led to me trying to understand what the purpose is and what i see the purpose to be is the continuation of life just like it's happening in nature just like it's happening within conception of life it is the continuation of the energy which is the consciousness and the conscious awareness of life itself and doing so by changing our thoughts and changing our patterns realizing that everything doesn't have to be an emotional response initially it should actually be using logic and reasoning to understand what it is and taking that information and turning it into wisdom or action and taking the information from you know we, we have information that comes in then that creates intelligence or knowings and then from that we should process that and create wisdom out of that and that is the application of the information being manifest through our actions and words and so as long as we're continuing the cycle of life as long as we're giving life to people which feels like love emotionally but really is energetic life and as long as we're listening to our intuitions that are coming from the quantum world that is beyond our senses, and as long as we live from the heart, which only knows one thing, which is life itself, we're living the purpose of our existence, remembering that we are the physical manifestation and expression of love, and that we no longer need to find love from outside sources. We simply need to just become and release the, the layers upon layers of 
trauma and hardship and emotional ways of deciding what to do, almost like a, a light up on the counter. You know, you take the light and you stick it on the highest place so it illuminate everything. But as we go through life, we're putting shade upon shade upon shade to eventually it's like it seems like darkness, you know, and that's what depression and anxiety was for me. It was darkness, literally, you know, so reveal yourself. Be who you are. Be true to life itself. Be true to love. Love yourself, realizing that you can't unlove yourself because to unlove yourself is to unlike yourself. And the fact that we are living in this moment right now is the fact that we are life. And life wants to continue doing something. So what you should do is love yourself and love your neighbor and love all of those around you because not only are you healing the world, you're healing the future generations of its inhabitants and everybody around us. That's perfect. I love it. Again, excuse me, everyone, but I'm just going to say that normally I wrap up with like a big question. I don't think we need to. I think that was beautiful. I got a question. Yeah, what's your question? I got a question I'm going to ask the audience. What are you going to do with this information now? I've given you information and I've given you the intent behind it. And so I hope you take this information and this intention and put that in your own life and you allow creation of more life to come of it. And so think about it, information, energy, and intention allows creation to happen. So take the information of us taking in this information, take the information going to you and use that with the intention of life. And go out and create life. Go out and create love. Go out and create experiences that are beyond your wildest dreams. Go out and realize that you are the creator in this universe and you are the love and the reason that life is here. You are the reason of creation, you know? So, yeah, what are you going to do with it? That's my question. What are you guys going to do with it? Think about it and go do something about it. Go make the world a better place because the world can change with one person and one person can change from one idea and one idea can come from one thought. And so now you have a new way to think. So think good thoughts, create new ideas, express them using new words, and then change the world. It's that simple. Thank you, Jeremiah. You're amazing. I appreciate that so much. Yes, no problem. You're, you're more than welcome. I really appreciate your time and I really appreciate your energy and your intentions behind what you're doing and, and the people that are watching this as well. Your intentions behind watching this obviously are to become a better person and, and seek to understand yourself. And you know, you're not far away. You're already there. You already are the greatest version of yourself. It's just a matter of releasing yourself from everything that is not you. You are life, not death, and become life. Tony Robbins who? <laughs> it's about Jeremiah. You have to say your last name because I'm not going to do it. Jeremiah Pospisil. Pospisil. Which sounds like Ladies Pospisil. and gentlemen, <laughs> it does. Uh,